So if we can step back and see, okay, I'm more likely to get anxious when I go on social media, Mm. we can be like, okay, maybe that's, you know, I'm going to, every time we scroll, it's like somebody sneezing on our brain, right? So, (laughs) so if we're putting ourselves in uh, sneeze prone situations, we can stop doing that when we're, when our thinking brain is still online. The other part is just knowing that process and really understanding how our brain, brains work. And, and okay, uncertainty plus fear leads to anxiety. Can I step back and see how that process is starting to get spun out of control? On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm so excited to welcome back Dr. Judd Brewer. He's going to help us get through some very anxious times um, surrounding coronavirus. How are you today? Doing all right. How are you? (laughs) Good. So, you know, Dr. Brewer wrote an amazing article for the New York Times regarding, you know, coronavirus kind of induced anxiety, stress, you know, we're kind of in some stressful times. Uh, A lot of people have maybe mild anxiety regarding this. Others have a lot of severe anxiety. Could you help us a little bit just understand, first of all, what anxiety is, where it comes from? Sure. I'd be happy to. You know, our brains are actually set up to help us survive. And so that fear instinct uh, can actually help us learn. So if you walk out into the street and you see a car coming at you, you instinctively jump back on the sidewalk and you learn from that, hey, maybe I should look both ways before I cross the street in the future, right? So that, that's basically how we learn through negative reinforcement. Something unpleasant happens. We do something to make that unpleasant thing go away. And then we learn it. We re- learn, okay, do that, you know, don't or do that behavior again and in the future. So that's really a, a very basic survival mechanism. But our brains have evolved, say, over, I don't know, past million years or whatever, have evolved this, this newer layer on top of the old survival brain, the neocortex, or I think of the prefrontal cortex as being one of the critical pieces. That's the part of the brain that's involved in creativity, in planning, in thinking, and things like that. It's really helpful to plan and think, but our prefrontal cortices need accurate information in order to plan, okay? And so this is where we can see this coming together with coronavirus. We don't have accurate information. I mean, we we do have some accurate information, like washing your hands is a good thing, (laughs) but we don't have accurate information in terms of how contagious it is, how deadly it is, all these things. So our brains start to spin out of control. So you can think of it this as fear, plus uncertainty equals anxiety. Now add to this one other component, which is social contagion, which is basically the spread of emotion from one person to another. You can think of this as if you walk into a party and you're not really in a party mood, but other people are dancing around, suddenly you're in a party mood, right? That's emotional contagion. I don't think anybody's in a party mood right now. But if you walk into a, a grocery store or something and everything's, everybody's panicking, it's like they've just sneezed on your brain, <laughs> you know, and you've caught that social contagion. Mm. So, so we move from, you know, we're at home, we're planning a grocery list. We're like, okay, I'm going to go to the store and stock up. We go to the grocery store and everybody's like hoarding toilet paper. And suddenly we're like, I need a 12 month supply of toilet paper. We do not need a 12 month supply of toilet paper, right? <laughs> uh, so that's really where you add anxiety plus social contagion and people start panicking, their prefrontal cortices go offline. They go into survival mode 
And survival mode is basically about just, okay, what's everybody else doing? Okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Instead of stepping back and saying, I can't even fit this in my car. What am I doing? <laughs> right. Uh, well, this is a very good thing. So I went to the grocery store maybe three days ago with a list of things that we would need. Um, and I, I am, I'm walking the grocery store and you're exactly right. They're full. They are just jam full of stuff. But it's for me, I'm always focused on healthy food. They're unhealthy foods, but, but they had hordes of toilet paper, you name it. They had it. Nobody's buying dog food, by the way, which is really weird. Um, but that really made me start thinking is like, well, maybe I need more. And I'm fairly calm about these things. Um, but I was like, holy moly. And the line was all the way to the back of the store. And it took us over 40 minutes just to get to a cash register. Wow. And um, so I understand that. So, but now, okay, now we're in the middle of this panic, right? You said our frontal cortex has gone flying and we're doing impulsive behaviors. Mm. How do we stop that though? And you're like, what is, what is the, stop it. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be as, wouldn't it be as simple and, and, and nicer than the, than the, you know, we slap ourselves right. to wake up and right. stop it. How do we the, stop that brain from doing that? The first step is really understanding how our minds work. So if we can step back and see, okay, I'm more likely to get anxious when I go on social media, uh, we can be like, okay, maybe that's, you know, I'm going to, every time we scroll, it's like somebody sneezing on our brain, right? So, <laughs> so if we're putting ourselves in uh, sneeze prone situations, we can stop doing that when we're, right. when our thinking brain is still online. The other part is just knowing that process and really understanding how our brain, brains work and, and okay, uncertainty plus fear leads to anxiety. Can I step back and see how that process is starting to get spun out of control? The next step is to actually bring in an intervention when we are starting to get anxious. Mm -hmm. So simple mindfulness practices like taking a couple of deep breaths can be really helpful and help us ground in our direct experience. There was a, I was leading a, a, a group a couple of years ago to, at Yale University, and there was a guy in the group who came up with a great mantra for himself, which was feel your feet. So he could not connect with his breath. I don't know if it made him anxious or whatnot, but he would just feel his feet. He would, when he started to get anxious, he would notice, oh, I'm getting anxious. And he would say to himself, feel your feet because his feet don't really manifest anxiety much, right? That's not the right. anxiety center of our body, not the feet. So he would just ground himself in his feet for maybe 30 seconds and it would help him calm down. So his prefrontal cortex could, could go back online and he could go about the day. So simple, you know, in the moment mindfulness practices can be really helpful. And in fact, you know, my lab just finished a couple of clinical studies. We did a study with anxious physicians. <laughs> we need to help physicians right now not get anxious because imagine, you know, people coming in and you're like, I don't know if this person is sick or not. Right. So we did a study with anxious physicians and we got a 57% reduction in clinically validated anxiety scores using an app-based mindfulness training. Um, this app yeah. was called Unwinding Anxiety. So it was basically... You know, we give them short practices every day to kind of build, you know, build that mental immune system, so to speak. That is fabulous because I actually belong to a group on Facebook with over 48,000 American, well, mostly American physicians who, mm. um, and it's all about the coronavirus. And um, it's really fascinating to read those posts. Some of them are sick, you know, they're mm. immune compromised. They have, they feel uh, the need to take care of other patients who may come in sick. And so sure. really interesting. Okay. So now we kind of understand the mindfulness practice, but what if we're like dwelling on future outcomes that probably will never happen, but it's outcomes you're seeing other people deal with like death. So, right. So what if I get the virus and what if I die? Like well, that can be really something that someone 
seems to sit on and they're like, they're so worried about their family or themselves getting so sick that they die. Yeah. And what can we do for that? Right. So perseveration, you're describing perseveration where we're just kind of stuck in this worry, thought loop, fear of the future, fear of the future, catastrophizing Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So the uh, perseveration, one thing we can remind ourselves when we're not perseverating is that Mm -hmm. this type of worry thought loop is not going to build our immune system. It's not going to help us get not sick. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it could, it could make us more prone because we're going to be more likely to panic and do things that aren't actually, you know, prefrontal cortically mediated where we're not thinking. Right. So noticing that that's not going to help us, right? Worrying about all these worst case scenarios is not going to help, right? Because we can't plan for six months down the road. We can plan for right now. Mm. And so noticing that is is that very, very first important um, or important first step. The second step can be, okay, what do I need to do right now and kind of ground it instead of way off in the future or worrying about what might happen to us. Just right. take it. Okay. What do I need to do this hour? Right. Okay. And then we take care of whatever needed to be done this hour. What, what happens next hour? What do we need to take out? Um, you know, what do we need to do the next hour? I think about this with my addiction patients where, you know, there's this saying, you know, um, basically, you know, one moment at a time, one breath at a time, one day at a time right? Mm-hmm. Let's, take, let's take sobriety one day at a time. I think we're a little intoxicated, not in a pleasant way, um, with anxiety and panic right now. And our job is to really step back and take it one day at a time. It's like, okay, what, what do I need to do today? Like, do I need to go to the grocery store? Yes. Okay, go to the grocery store. Take care of today. Take care of this week. Mm. Don't hoard toilet paper for six months. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help anybody. There will be toilet paper in six months. You know, I, that's almost a certainty. Um, so, so all taking it one day at a time is really helpful. Now you bring up this question around death. That's a, you know, well, it's a reality for all of us at some point. Right. right? And so it, I think what this is doing is saying, what if I die now? What if I could, you know, cause there's a real threat. Right. And that's something not to ignore, but it's also something to really, work with skillfully and instead of panicking about it to really you know acknowledge okay this is a deadly disease what can i do to take precautions so that i'm safest and at the same time i am protecting the safety of others because the more we practice good hygiene the more we're going to help create that herd immunity where we're going to protect everybody right and so again it comes back to oh i'm worried that i might die okay well, what can you do to prevent that? Wash your right. hands. Don't freak out. Don't buy six months of toilet paper, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I did a video yesterday of four things you can do. I talked about your article specifically, but it is. It's those things that have been shown over and over again to actually make a difference is social distancing six feet. Because when you cough or sneeze, that's going to travel six feet. So that's mm-hmm. why they say six feet. Hand washing. But they also talk about touching your face. So, but <laughs> as humans, we like to touch our face. Yeah, I've washed do. my hands, guys. Don't worry. But, you know, that is how we just touch people. We hug each other. I'm a hugger, you know, and touching people. How do we break this habit of touching our face when we don't even know we're doing it? Let me think about that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So if we do something habitual, right? So, right. you know, as a, as a professor, my job is to stroke my beard, right? And to think, <laughs> look professorial. Um, what we can do is when we wake up and notice, oh, I've touched my face, right? That was a habit. Mm. One, this actually helps us start to create better habits around, around uh, 
physical hygiene, right? Hand hygiene. Mm. So I've been in my home all day, right? So I touched my face. I'm, you know, there were, there aren't any, there was the first confirmed case in, in Worcester, Massachusetts yesterday. I, what, you know, they've contained. So the likelihood that I am sick is mm -hmm. close to zero, right? Mm. The likelihood that my wife's sick is close to zero. The likelihood that my cats have coronavirus close to zero. Right. Um, so if I touch my face right now, I can, I can do two things, right? Notice, oh, I'm in this habit of touching my face. I can start to become more aware of that and start to break that habit because I can realize, wait, that's not actually good health hygiene. Mm. The second thing I can do is reassure myself, hey, probably not gonna get coronavirus from touching my face while I'm in my house, right? right. And so we can keep the, keep the calm, keep calm and carry on, as they said in, in World, <laughs> World War II. II. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can you, well, getting back to the keep calm, carry on, um, so we do carry on day to day. We're going to, you know, the sun's going to rise. It'll set, it'll rise, it'll set. Those days will continue. Um, each day is a little uncertain, but there is some real concerns for a lot of people. Businesses are shutting down, mm -hmm. travel restrictions, you're in your home. I'm going to be working on how to eat healthy on a budget, you know, with limited resources. But awesome. how do we deal with that real stress of there may be people who have, you know, insecurities around finances and food that's a worry and they begin to really, I mean, that really is a situation. So what do we have like really worries? We're not just thinking about in the future of dying, but like, how do I calm myself down to deal successfully with the current issue? Like I might me have food to feed my family tomorrow. Right. So what would you recommend there? Right. So I think here the same practices apply, which are, you know, we can't think of our prefrontal cortex is offline. So, you know, if we have a real issue like okay you know today do i have enough money to buy food for my family if i can you know if i can keep my prefrontal cortex online i can think about okay is this going to be a problem in the next week in the next month mm -hmm. and i can probably not buy the most expensive food items at the store and i think you'll probably talk about how right you know eating eating plant-based diets actually a lot cheaper than eating right. uh, you know a bunch of meat so we can find ways to make our budget stretch in a way that's really helpful. Right. And at the same time, one moment at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time, if we're mm. freaking out about six months down the road of whether we'll have a job or not, but we have a job today, mm. now's not the time to worry about whether we'll have a job in six months. Now's the time to worry about, okay, let's look at our expenses. Let's figure out what's critical. Let's let go of the things that aren't critical and let's plan. But the planning only, only happens when we can think. And so this is where mm. the mindfulness practices help us keep calm so we can carry on. Exactly. And so it's almost the planning is the mindfulness practice, right? So you're looking at, okay, well, this is the current situation and bringing that to here. And that may be hard and stressful, but at the same time, it gives you the opportunity to calm down and look at the facts, yes. taking away the uncertainty of whatever it is. So yes. yeah, uh, I get it. So now we have the coronavirus and we don't know how long this is going to persist. Um, we may have a lot of time at home. So how do we begin a really nice, like how would you, a new beginner in mindfulness practices, what's a, maybe some daily extras they can do at home when they're not so stressed so that it becomes like a, a muscle that we're building? What, what's something that we can do there? Oh, there's so many great mindfulness, you know, practices and people, there are a lot of resources, free resources online. Uh, we have some free meditations on my website, uh, drjud.com. People can access those. Uh, we have a free app called um, Breathe by Dr. Judd, 
that people can download and it can teach them mindful breathing. Uh, so people can check that out. Uh, they don't even have to put in their email address. It's like totally free. Like we, we're not asking anything. Um, so just trying to put out some resources for folks. So there are lots of ways that people can do that. What I would say is if you can start your day, you know, even with five minutes of just, you know, being with yourself and you know, whether it's, uh, bring, bringing awareness to mindfulness of the breath, um, or any other types of mindfulness practices, loving kindness practices, these mindfulness practices that help us, uh, loving kindness practices, these mindfulness practices that help us um, bring kindness to ourselves and others, really great practices. Uh, Sharon Salzberg is a, is a wizard at those. And so people can find resources from her. Um, all, lots of lots of stuff out there that people can get through the internet. Just, just be careful about scrolling on social media and go right to the resources that you're, you're looking for if anybody's looking for resources. Okay, I think that's fabulous. Um, so I almost like it, you know, you need to exercise your mind to be mindful. I mean, the other thing is um, horticultural therapy is, mm. I think is really cool is bringing plants in. I've seen a lot of people, it's almost like a mindfulness practice. They think about their plants and they need, kind of helps them get out of the um, depression and anxiety, which has been really fun. I've had some really cool interviews around that. So that's another thing, but you can also grow some food at home <laughs> ah. in a pot, believe it or not, that could be your plan. It's, it's cool to, to grow and do some other things, but um, yeah, that's really awesome. So it, mindfulness just on the, the situation currently, you know, just bring it, stay calm, carry on, understand the facts. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, I, now that I'll be working from home for a bit, Brown just had its first confirmed case. Um, mm -hmm. And so my, all of my teaching at the School of Public Health will go online. Okay. Um, the, you know, I'm putting together a short two minute video that I'm going to put out every morning. Uh, so people will have a resource. So they can learn about things like how anxiety and panic make our prefrontal cortex go offline. And included in those will be some very simple practices that people can do. So all of that, I'll just put that on YouTube. Uh, people can just subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Dr. Judd, uh, okay. J-U-D. Or they can also hit me up on Twitter at Judd, J-U-D-B-R-E-W-E-R. Okay. Um, on Twitter, uh, if they have if they have topics that they want to see, so those are some other resources I'm gonna start putting out uh, as of tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. Okay. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna put the links to your your website. To also, there's some great um, articles, and then of course the apps that you have, the Unwinding Anxiety app, of course, right now would <laughs> be a good one. Um, your YouTube page, and then Twitter. Are you also on Facebook? I am a little bit, but a I don't. Bit. I don't go on social media that much, so I, I'm mostly on, on Twitter. Okay, it seems like a lot of professionals like Twitter, hmm. so that can also be a bit of a. It's so fast, right? It's just constantly feeding. I, it stresses me out. Actually, Twitter stresses me out, so <laughs> I go to Facebook. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think we're all possible risk of you know this because we all don't know what we have. We feel responsible for people and patients and other things. And so those practices that you're, you're conveying to us are really, really helpful. I've certainly incorporated many of those things I've learned from you in my own life, which is super helpful. So thank you. Is there any last bit of advice you'd like to share with everyone? Mm, I'll just say, you know, onward together, the more we see the, the real rewards of, of kindness and connection as we support each other through this, Mm -hmm. the more hopefully these will stick 
and you know not just help us get through this pandemic but also help to see how this world is really not a big place and we need to all move forward together so hopefully we can stop being so divisive politically and this and that and stop blaming each other for this and that and simply say okay here it is how can we move forward together so that's that's my hope is you know, let's learn from this, um, mm. or let's learn as we get through this, the, mm. the real joys of connection. So I would just say onward together, we can mm. do this. That's beautiful, because um, I was in Florida during Hurricane Irma. And it was really interesting to see a community come together. I mean, talk about shortage of gasoline, you had to get out <laughs> and food. Um, but it was really interesting comments, people would say, Oh, this people are so nice to me. They're never so nice. And I think that's really important, but we're isolated socially. I think that's where, you know, for example, we're going to be holding um, through our health and revolution virtual dinners with like five mm-hmm. to 10 people just to help them continue like that connection. If they feel like they need some help, um, you can do stuff like that as well using that's, technology. Yeah, that's great. So we can be physically distanced, but mentally connected. Right. Exactly. That's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the important thing is, you know, Zoom and Facebook, you can do little Facebook groups with your family if they're far away around the world and still have those moments um, together, but you are safely apart. So just some things there. All right. Well, thank you again, Dr. Judd. You're amazing as usual. Appreciate you. My pleasure. You.